Hello and welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I am your host for today, Michael Martin, and I am joined by Mr. Joe Masato. Joe, what's going on today? Not much, Michael. Uh, another Thunder game tonight against the Raptors, and we've got a crazy one to talk about from Wednesday night. Absolutely. We're going to get into the good, the bad, and the ugly from that one. Uh, Joe, first, I want to get into the good. What did you see that was overall good from that night? I think one of the positives was the three-point shooting. I mean, this is a uh, Thunder team that every time we get on here, we talk about how poor the three-point numbers look, but they were 18-45 of 45 against the Bucks. Um, Poku... Yes, he had that loud miss there at the end, but he started the game four or four from three. He, he finished four of seven. Trey Mann was five of nine from three off the bench. Shea Gilgis Alexander had what looked like the game winning three pointer. Um, he finished two of five. So, um, you know, I, I thought that was a positive sign. Trey Mann said after the game, like, we've got to do that to create more space for Shea. Um, and they're going to have to keep doing that. Yeah, I agree. We got uh, 40% from three, 18 to 45 from the guys. That was pretty impressive. I was uh, not expecting that after our three-point shooting woes conversation the other day. We mm-hmm. get another uh, superstar level game from Shea with 39 points. He hit his first three in a couple of weeks and another big-time three that looked like it was going to be the game winner. Yeah, I mean, he was he was fantastic again. And that 39 was his season high. Um 13 of 25, 11 of 13 from the line. He just continues to to put up outrageous numbers. Yeah, and then we get the return of Poku. He looked good in the second. Uh, he looked like the second best player on the team for a lot of stretches until he kind of had a little uh, scuff at the end. But he had a double-double in his first game back with 17 points, 4 of 7 from 3, 10 rebounds, and an added 2 blocks, 2 steals, and 2 assists. Yeah, you've got to put Poku in the good category here as well because um, mentioned the 3-point shooting. I was really impressed with his defense down the stretch, standing up against Brooke Lopez the Bucks were just running, I mean, obviously without Giannis, without Middleton, Holiday, they were running everything through Brooke Lopez, in, especially there in the fourth quarter. And Lopez certainly had his victories, but Poku had a big defensive stop late. And Dignall rode with him as the uh, center in that lineup, kind of going small there. And Poku held up pretty well, despite giving up, what, 90 pounds, 80 pounds probably to Brooke Lopez. At the very minimum. And then um, since we talked about it last time, just some of the issues with the combination, I wanted to give them props today. The Gideon Shade duo did look good the other night, had some solid minutes in the comeback. And then Gideon on the glass had around 10 rebounds in the fourth and both overtimes to really keep the Thunder in this game. Yes, some very good offensive rebounds there from Josh Giddy. That was uh, he, he was playing like a madman there in the fourth quarter, getting those misses from, I think they were uh, Poku miss, a Dort miss, just keeping things alive for the Thunder. And then I'll move on to the bad. Uh, Javon Carter goes off for a career-high 36 points, along with a game-high 12 assists, 15 out of 27 from the field, and 5 out of 10 from 3. What was that? What was it like watching it? Uh, I know it was crazy for me, Joe, watching uh, Javon Carter go off and look like Damian Lillard for one night. It was, it was nuts. I mean, I remember Javon Carter, of course, from his his days leading press Virginia and was certainly known as more of a defensive stopper. He actually had 32 points as a rookie for the Grizzlies. Um, That probably came in a, in a late season tank job probably, but he was tremendous in this one, 36 points, 12 assists, five of 10 from three. I mean, I mentioned all the guys, the bucks that out, he had to take 27 shots because no one else was um, really creating offense. 
for Milwaukee. They were playing through the post a lot with Lopez, but um, as far as you know, just just shot making ability, Javon Carter was was great. It was it was a good for the Bucks and a bad for the Thunder. And then speaking of some other good um, Bucks play, I the bad I had is anyone who tried Brooke Lopez at the rim. Brooke had five blocks tonight, and it felt like even more. He was a real deterrent for the Bucks defense tonight, and looked every bit of the defensive player of the year prospect that people have been talking about early this season. Yeah, he's just a blocks machine, and you know the Bucks defense. You're obviously missing a premier perimeter defender in Drew Holiday, and then you're missing Giannis, who just does everything. He's like a just a roving defensive player of the year candidate every single year. But Brooke Lopez, he's like a one-man defense unto himself, just with the way he protects the rim, um, his length, his timing, just his feel for it. He he his length really bothered the Thunder, um, I thought. And one more buck shout out I wanted to get is Marjan Bochamp, 24th pick in this past draft, seven of 13 overall, five of eight from three, career high, 19 points. Bochamp, when the Bucks are at full strength, does don't even know if he's gonna crack the rotation but thrust into a starting role on Wednesday night and played big minutes. Yeah, I had that on my list. He was a plus 14. He was the highest plus minus for either team and really flipped the game there in the third and fourth quarter with a lot of great shot making. And then finally, um, the Lou Dort foul on Brooke Lopez on the alley-oop late in the game with around 0.6 seconds left. We talked about this after the game, but I was kind of surprised that uh, they didn't pre-switch that because put Poku closer to the rim because with about 0.6 seconds left, there's not much you can do other than that alley-oop there. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's true. I mean, that's the thing in the moment. Um, you nailed it immediately. It's something that, you know, I didn't think about as that play unfolded, but let, let's just use that to bring us to the ugly. I'm not saying the call was ugly. I, I mean, it was it was one of those situations where you really don't expect a whistle just because it's such a big spot. It was a bad pass from George Hill. Brooke Lopez was already falling back. Dort undercut him a little bit, got into his body. Um, no mistakes per the last two-minute report. Those are always a, a, a little squishy. I'm not complaining with that one call, but as Mark Degnall said after the game, the officiating, um, he said there was administrative errors, which I would agree with. It wasn't like one particular call. It wasn't the Dort foul. It wasn't the Mike Mescala moving screen. It was all the moments where we're all looking at each other like, what's going on here? What was the call? And um, the officials seem to be having the same conversations. And um, it was just a it was a rough night for them. I, I almost like felt bad for them because they just kind of lost control of the game, it seemed. Yeah, it was an off night. Um, I'm not going to ever be someone who's like, let's blame the officials. But it was it was very inconsistent. That's for sure. And yeah. it was kind of disorganized, like you mentioned. I mean, there were parts of the game where they went to the review booth and didn't really say what they were reviewing and they came back and never addressed it. Then uh, Mark talked about it in the post game. He's like, they gave us, uh, we got into the bonus, a foul early when we weren't in the bonus. So just a weird night, but that, that was pretty ugly. Yeah. Can you imagine if that was like a national TV game? Obviously like the NBA puts their best officiating crews on the games that are going to be most watched. So not a lot of people are watching Bucks Thunder, especially when Giannis isn't playing. So that explains why there wasn't more, uh, why it didn't get more play outside of those of us here and in Milwaukee who watched that game. But 
like giving giving the Thunder extra free throws by putting them in the bonus too early. And then you mentioned the play where there was no real like announcement what they were looking at. It was when you know Lou Dort shot a three toward the end of the shot clock. They were reviewing whether or not it hit the rim. It did not hit the rim, but there was an inadvertent whistle with 2.7 seconds left. And Mark was like, you, you put us in a really tough spot because we're um, deep in the corner inbounding from from that spot where it's hard to run something. And it ended up working brilliantly for the Thunder. Josh Giddy finds Lou Dort for that bucket. Um, but yeah, that was just another example. Josh Giddy inbounds passes uh, the most efficient offense in the NBA. Obviously. We're going to have to track his assists off inbounds passes because he's got to be leading the NBA over the last two seasons. I agree. Uh, but moving on to tonight, looks like we've got some new uniforms in the pipeline for the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're city editions um, just from the Thunder PR from uh, the vice president of sales and marketing. The city edition uniform honors Oklahomans at their core, whether an Oklahoman by birth or choice. We are inspired to believe our work conquers all. We are people who are always pushing onward, striving for better. The colors and design in, of this uniform are a tribute to our foundation, the ground we walk on, and the qualities we all share, including selfless service to our community and fellow citizens. All that nice stuff. What did you think of the uniforms, Joe? Um, I thought all of those words were perfectly evoked by <laughs> uniforms. No, I mean, those descriptions are always a little silly. Um, I like them. Um, I'm with everyone else in the sense that, you know, the funders should probably move forward with the rebrand. And I'm talking about their like day to day uniforms, not these city edition ones. I, you know, very low risk as always for the Thunder. I do like. Um, sort of the red dirt look that goes down the striping down the sides of the uniform and across the bottom of the shorts. Um, I thought the belt buckle logo of the state uh, with the counties outlined, that, that's probably my favorite part. Um, yeah. But, you know, I I like them. I, I'm not like crazy about them, but they're certainly better than some of the ones they've had before. Yeah, I like the idea of it. Some of the execution was not great. Um, I do like the buckle, but like you mentioned, I think we're we're ready for a rebrand, rebrand. But as we go back through history, there have been some good jerseys, which brings me to our next thing we're going to do, which is a jersey draft, uniform draft of the Thunder's past. I will let you have the first pick here, Joe. We're each going to have three picks, and then later on, people can vote on Twitter on who had the best draft. Okay, so because you're so kind i thought you were going to give me the first pick and my morning's been um just can't get anything done because i i don't know who to who to which uniform to pick first i'm down between two and i think a lot of people think i might go with uh, i'm not even going to say cuz what if you don't pick it i am going to go with the current sunset orange statement jerseys that um i think they've been wearing since 20 19 is that is that right the the yes, nike ones is. with the the lighter blue okc not the darker not not the navy blue that was on my list that's a good pick i am going to go with the native american oh. city edition jersey the sky blue teal jerseys the all native patterns that's the one that a lot of people want as the rebrand that's my favorite jersey ever oh man i i knew it was impossible to get both of those but I mean, no arguments here. I could I could flip a coin. I just really like the look of the um, 
sunset jerseys, I think the orange pops. But as far as like the city edition, far and away, those turquoise ones honoring native culture, they're they're the best by far. And and I'm with you. I, I'd love if that was like the um, the official jersey. All right, on to your second pick. What do you have? Okay, um, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with a similar pattern here with the uh, the jagged OKC across the front. I'm gonna pick the 2017 to 2019 statement uniforms, the navy ones um, with the sound waves across the back. I, I always thought those were pretty cool. Those were second on my list. That's well, so you got me back right after I took the Native American <laughs> ones. Love those ones uh, from the Russ PG-13, like OK3 era with the sound waves on the back. But I guess with my second pick, I'm going to go with the platinum all-white jerseys from last year with the alternate gray court. I just thought those were so clean. Yeah, those those were nice. Um, not on my list. I think this is where it gets hard. Because, yeah. Um, and we're not even that deep into it. I'm going to stick with an alternate jersey for my last pick. I'm going to go the 2020-2021 City Edition. Um, what I refer to as the NASCAR uniforms, the uh, Trailblazers adjacent uniforms, the the stripe across, diagonal stripe across the front, just as Oklahoma on the front instead of Oklahoma City. I was, um, this was a weird season. No one like saw these in person because there was no fans um, at Oklahoma City um, all, all season because of that they actually had an alternate court design for this uniform but they didn't go ahead with it because there was no fans allowed in the arena I really wish we could have seen that alternate court um, I was I wasn't in love with these um, when they came out but I've kind of come to like them they're pretty they're pretty cool yeah they're different uh, from the Thunder jersey of the past and I'm going to go with a vastly different one for my last pick and that is the 2019-2020 Memorial City Edition. That's from the CP3 year that uh, honors the Oklahoma City bombing uh, with those uniforms. I thought those were really great, the black and gold ones. Yeah, no no arguments there. I mean, as far as like meaning, that's obviously number number one. Um, and ju- just, I mean, that one in, in the Native American City Edition one obviously mean a lot to the state and represent the state. So... That was probably an overlook on my part. Although, I mean, I love obviously what it represents and everything. I didn't love the colors um, of that uniform, which is why I probably didn't pick it. So I was going with more aesthetic than meaning. And therefore, uh, when you put this poll out, I have no doubt that you're going to run away with the win because uh, you're just pulling at the the heartstrings of Oklahomans everywhere. I, I also just like the aesthetic of it. I liked it more than the one we're going with tonight which has more meaning than I guess substance of what the Jersey looks like. I, I think the bombing ones look a little bit better than that, but I, I hope you're right. I hope I do come away with a win on this. Mm-hmm. Speaking of wins, the thunder are on the road again for a four game stretch. You're about to head out over the next couple of days for that, for a long road trip. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think the thunders uh, record will be over this four game road trip where they visit the Knicks on Sunday, the Celtics on Monday, the wizards on Wednesday and the Grizzlies on Friday. Um, I think one and three is probably a, a safe record to pick. So it's a tough, that second night of the back-to-back is extremely tough. So they play at noon at Madison Square Garden, which I'm fired up about, just like something about a noon Sunday game in the Garden, I think is going to be pretty cool. Um, 
I think that might be either that or the Washington um, game is, is certainly winnable. I mean, every game is winnable in the NBA. Crazy stuff happens every night. Um, but I can't see them winning on the second night of a back-to-back at Boston, at Memphis. is certainly going to be tough. I'm, I'm going to say they get the win in New York um, on Sunday. You're, you remember that game last season at MSG. Josh Giddy and Trey Mann both went off um, kind of their you know, coming out parties as far as like anything you do at Madison Square Garden is amplified. So that that was a really fun game. I agree. I think we're going to get a big time Shea game on Sunday in New York. I also think it's going to be one and three. You mentioned the back to back, but then they play the Wizards on the third game in four nights with the Wizards are coming off three games of rest. To me, that just feels like kind of a scheduled loss, even though the Thunder might be talented enough to beat the Wizards. I think that just the road trip and playing off a back to back and playing Memphis or playing uh, Boston and teams like that's going to be kind of hard to overcome. Yeah, it's a tough trip for sure. Wanted to ask you about this as you are super plugged in as the Joe on the beat, Joe <laughs> Thunder here. But um, a report came out this week about Sam Amick talking about Shea wanting out potentially that he talked to an executive who said that, you know, Shea's not long for here. You keep hearing, uh, here's the quote, you keep hearing Shea is frustrated with the losing. And so I think Toronto, th- that Toronto thing that we've all heard about with their interest in this summer is real. How far does the Thunder want to push this uh, rebuild and tanking effort? So I just wanted to get your opinion on this from, you know, what have you heard on the Shea front and your experiences on the beat, you know, and Ryder for multiple seasons? How do you see these sources come out from executive and others and anything else? Look, I I respect Sam Amick a ton. He does a good job and is far more plugged in than I am, especially on the national level. But when I read something like, you know, everyone's hearing the stuff that Shea wants out. I've covered Shea since he's been here and I've not heard it once. So maybe I'm just not, uh, and I'm, my, my ears are open. I'm, I'm certainly listening to things. I mean, the Thunder, as we all know, is a very buttoned up organization. They're not going to let anything out. Shea is, is pretty private. You know, he's not a guy that's going to, to openly criticize or ask out or anything like that. So I have not heard anything to that. I've only heard Shay, at least when he's speaking publicly, seem genuinely positive about the direction that the Thunder is taking, saying that he's on the same page with Sam Presti and the front office, and there's been communication between them. And as far as all of the losing, I mean, yeah, the last two years have been rough. His first two years, he played in the playoffs, his rookie season with the Clippers, second season in the bubble, picking the Rockets to seven games. And, you know, I think Shea obviously knows Chad is waiting in the wings, whoever they pick, probably in the top 10, certainly in the lottery, um, will be adding to this core. He just signed. He's on the first year of his max contract. Now, everything I'm saying could change with Shea putting pressure on the Thunder or asking out at some point and be very hard now given his contract situation. But I think you've, I know I'm going long here, but I I think you've got to think about where stuff like this is coming from. Like the timing of it, I think is interesting coming the day before uh, he plays against the Raptors where I was on a radio show in Toronto this morning and they were all, you know, talking about that. Like, Hey, do you think you'd want to play for the Raptors? He's probably the best Canadian uh, in the NBA right now. And so I think, it behooves opposing executives or 
um, other GMs to sort of put this out there just to create some some ripples, like, you know, to, to, to at least, you know, have that question lingering when I don't think it's lingering internally. Um, it's, will Shea want to play for the Raptors one day? Maybe. I, I have no idea. But, like, I haven't heard anything um, that he's, you know, that's even on the radar for now. Yeah, I think this is something where an executive was kind of trying to put it out there for a ripple effect, like you said, and then just trying to speak it into existence in a little uh, different ways like that. But all we can do really right now is take shade his word. And he hasn't shown anything to me so far that me that shows that he shouldn't be trustworthy whenever he's saying things like this. I mean, he had the quote early in the preseason on media day to down a dunk in the athletics, Andrew Schlecht, where he talked about this and he said obviously we've lost more than we'd like to the last couple of years and it's not fun with that being said though i know what i signed up for and i signed a five-year extension i don't think we're going to be losing for much longer so it's not like i signed up to lose or anything i believe in this team i believe in the players we have on this team i think we're headed in the right direction and we'll be where we want to be soon yeah and the other thing i I mean just going back to the reporting it's hard sometimes because I'm 100% confident Sam heard that, Sam Amick heard that. It's just like you're reporting what was told to you, but you're not necessarily reporting what's true. I mean, it's almost impossible to to verify that. But if you have a GM or an executive that's telling you that, you probably want to report it. Um, the other thing, on a, on a separate note, like Shea is young. Like I said, he's entering the first year of his max deal. Um, there are some young players that start winning earlier than others. John Morant's a perfect example with what they've built in Memphis. But look at Devin Booker's situation. The Suns were awful um, throughout his first contract. He was he was the guy who was putting up big numbers, but they weren't winning a thing. Um, and that organization, um, we all know the ownership issues, has been pretty bad um, and pretty incompetent until, you know, Monty Williams and Chris Paul come aboard. So, I think you look at those other situations. I'm not sure Shay is like, yeah, he wants to win, but like, I don't think he's unhappy. I think he's probably happy being the guy, being the face of a franchise and isn't yet ready to hitch his wagon to, you know, some other place that's ready to win where he's not going to be the guy where he's going to um, maybe be the second option. I mean, I, I just, I, I think the logic sort of falls short. I'm glad you mentioned that. I don't think people put enough stock in that, that there are only 30 teams in the world. So there's only 30 different places where you can be the guy where the organization is built around you. And that's that means a lot to a lot of different guys. I mean, you see Bradley Beal not wanting to leave Washington a lot for that. Damian Lillard, the same in Portland. I think that's very, very important. And then, you know, he signed a five year deal with no opt outs. He he had the option probably to I don't think that Presti was going in there. He's like, you're going to sign a five year with no opt outs or we'll trade you or you're not going to get the five years. I think if yeah, Shea really point. pushed for that, he would have gotten it. So I don't know. I I want to be patient with it. I don't think that Shea's in any hurry to get out of here right now. Things can change like you mentioned, but I wouldn't be super, super worried today if I was a Thunder fan. Yeah. Is it more likely than not that? Shea plays for another team at some point in his career. Yes, it's more likely than not for every single player in the NBA. There are very, you know, few Damian Lillards and uh, Dirk Nowitzki's. Like well, it's, you can name them. That's how you know it's not many of them. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, like, who knows? But like, 
now, I think it's just like so premature to have this conversation. Well, and Presty mentioned on Media Day, this is just kind of the content cycle that we go through where every few years there's a guy from a smaller market. It was Giannis a few years ago. It was Zion. And then it was... um forgetting who it was but it's it's constant well, it was like Russell donovan, mitchell, donovan and, mitchell exactly yeah. yeah there's constantly and he mentioned it with donovan mitchell if donovan mitchell didn't get traded we wouldn't be talking about shea so it could be the next guy maybe it'll be lamella ball next maybe it'll be whoever but this is just kind of how it is where a lot of teams they want a quick fix and the quickest fix you can get is trading for an all-star level player so putting that out in the air hopefully is you know just see what happens yeah, and this is a transaction-driven league. I mean, we're talking about it now. People love hypotheticals. I, I love, like, trade talk, too, and, like, you know, trying to figure some of this stuff out. But, like, you know, it's it's fun to talk about, but I, I don't think at least the shade discussion is based on reality. And, again, this could change in an instant. It could surprise the thunder at, at any point. I just don't really see that happening now And I can confidently say it hasn't happened to this point. Well, I'm sure everyone is glad to hear that. Hopefully nothing changes. But another thing that won't change is you and I will be back every single week talking about the Thunder, Thunder Buddies podcast. We are brought to you by the Oklahoma. Joe, do you have anything to plug before we get out of here? Yeah, I think I mentioned it on the uh, on the last podcast, but um, I'll have a story about, about Mark Dagnall this weekend that I think will be pretty cool. And uh, I was actually out at Tinker Air Force Base yesterday in Midwest City with uh, Jalen Williams, J-Dub, who both of his parents were in the Air Force. Um, so he was out there to surprise some folks at Tinker for Veterans Day. So that's at Oklahoma.com right now. So you can check that out. Definitely look for all that and as well for Joe's coverage on this giant road trip that they're going on. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, thank you all for listening. As he mentioned, we are brought to you by the Oklahoma and tell your friends about us. Rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. We will be back on Tuesday. Thank you so much for listening.